Hello, and welcome to the Hardcore Zen Podcast. My name is Brad Warner. I am the author of Hardcore Zen, The Other Side of Nothing, Letters to a Dead Friend About Zen. Uh, what am I the author of as well? Uh, sit Down and Shut Up, um, Don't Be a Jerk, um, what else? Uh, a bunch of other books about Zen and other stuff. As I always say, this podcast is sponsored by your kind donations and nothing else. I don't don't have any other sponsors. So your donations are important. And if you want to donate, go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those are usually my only ways of making a living. And I appreciate your support. But as always, this podcast is offered for free. So you don't got to support me if you don't want to support me. That's what I'm saying. Also, I am recording this podcast this week outside in the backyard. Uh, If you've watched my videos, I often record my videos outside in the backyard. I usually record the podcasts indoors uh, so I get better sound. So if you're hearing wind and noises and uh, Ziggy's here chewing on a stick, so you might hear him chewing on a stick. If you hear those noises, uh, pardon the noises, but it was just too nice of a day to sit inside and I didn't want to make Ziggy sit inside. Uh, So that's why you're going to hear some noises in the background. Uh, So apologies for that. So I thought I would continue talking about Komyo, Dogen's essay, Brightness, or I've been calling it In the Light. Uh, what is a Divine Light was the, uh, was my, that's my favorite uh, title of all the titles that people have given it in English, even though it's kind of, I don't know, I, I, I just like it. It sort of makes it sound a little goofy and holy, but uh, I kind of like the title Divine Light. Uh, I was talking to my friend Rob about it yesterday, and he pointed out the fact that, you know, when you come right down to it, every one of Dogen's essays is kind of kind of saying the same thing, and that's that's true. You know, when you read enough Dogen, you come to realize after a time, I think all of us who work with Dogen realize that he's just sort of saying the same thing over and over and over again in different ways. And I suppose hearing that, you might think, well, then I should just read one Dogen essay and be done with it. And yet, I, I haven't done that. I, I read all of them, you know, and, I, and not only do I read all of them, I read them over and over and over again. And I do that with him, and I do that with Nisargadatta Maharaj, and, and I've done it with other authors, too. I remember... When I first started studying Zen with Tim McCarthy, my first Zen teacher, he said a few nice things about Krishnamurti, Jiddu Krishnamurti. Uh, this is back when uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti was still alive, and I think Tim said something about. I think uh, he, I, he, I think what he said about Krishnamurti was something like, uh, "Krishnamurti is one of the most enlightened people who's alive today." And, you know, I think a lot of people, when they're just starting out and their teacher says something like that about somebody, they'll do what I did and just be like, oh my God, I got to read everything by Krishnamurti. So, and, and it was pretty easy. There was a, a bookstore, a little used bookstore in Kent, Ohio, where I lived at the time. 
called Shelley's Book Bar. And you could always count on finding a few Krishnamurti books for like a dollar a piece sitting on their, on their shelves. So I just kept buying different Krishnamurti books and reading them. And I don't know, a couple years later or something, I had another conversation with Tim about Krishnamurti and I talked about, you know, I'd read these different Krishnamurti books. And Tim said, oh yeah, yeah, they're all, they're always, he just keeps coming out with the same book over and over again. And I said, yeah, that's true. Yeah, every Krishnamurti book is the same book over and over again. And yet I read, you know, a dozen of the, the damn things. You know, I don't know how many books Krishnamurti came out with. You know, he must have come out with 20 or 30 books by now, maybe 50 or I don't know how many Krishnamurti books there are on the shelves now, but they're all pretty much the same book. Same with Dogen, same book over and over again. That's what Shobo Genzo is, same essay over and over again. And yet each one is is different and and he's trying to he's he's saying the same thing but he's approaching it in different ways each time and and kind of finding new and different ways to say it and and there's a a, a reason for that and and sometimes you got to hear it again and again and and I I feel like that I've mentioned how much I like the book I Am That by uh, Nisargadatta Maharaj. And I only really discovered that book about three years ago. And in the three years since I've discovered that book, I've read it at least three times start to finish. And I'm on my fourth reading of it start to finish now. And I've probably dipped into it a few odd times. Uh, Shobo Genzo, I know I went start to finish with it three times because I remember uh, going on the the train, the commuter train that I took from to, to work from my uh, apartment to Tsuburaya Productions when I worked in at Tsuburaya productions in Tokyo, I read Shobo Genzo start to finish uh, all four volumes at least three times on the train going back and forth to work. Uh, and and the first time I read it, I, I had decided because my teacher Nishijima Roshi had spent so much of his life and so much of his energy to translate Shobo Genzo into English, I remember deciding, well, the least I could do is read it because he'd, he'd spent so much energy to write it, you know, I ought to, as his student, at least read it, you know, all the way through, like read the damn thing. And the first time that I read it all the way through, I was just like, I'm just going to make my eyes read each word, you know, and, and, and pass all the way up and down each page because I was just baffled by most of it. Like I, I didn't know what the hell it was saying 90% of the time. Like, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> but I, I just made all of the words go into my head and through my brain and, and just got through it, uh, not understanding most of it. The second time I went through it, I kind of got it a little better. The third time I went through it, I, I think I was starting to to catch on to it. And of course, I was going every week to Nishijima Roshi's lectures in which he would talk about Shobo Genzo and explain it. And I was doing Zazen this whole time, which 
really helped me understand what Shobogenzo was about because he's writing about Zazen. That's what Shobogenzo is about. It might not seem that way superficially because he doesn't actually he does he does write about Zazen a fair bit. A lot of a lot of a lot of Zen writing, a lot of Buddhist writing is about Zazen. It is about meditation, even if it doesn't seem to be. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. In Shobo Genzo, in the case of Shobo Genzo, he makes that more explicit than a lot of Zen writers or a lot of Buddhist writers do in, in that he mentions Zazen explicitly in a lot of his writings. But in a lot of his writings, he doesn't mention Zazen explicitly. So a lot of the times you can be reading his writings and forget that what he's talking about is Zazen. But it might be good when you're reading it to remind yourself every once in a while that what he's talking about the entire time, what he's writing about the entire time is Zazen. That's, that's all he's ever writing about, really. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Should I stop Ziggy eating this twig? He's looking at me now that he heard me talk, mention his name. I mean, he's not eating the twig. He's just chewing it up into little pieces. I guess it's okay. That's what dogs do, right? Maybe I should look that up on Google before I let him chow down on this twig. Anyway, so I thought what I would do for today's episode of the podcast is I had a look over of my paraphrase of Komyo, of In the Light, my English paraphrase that we've been looking at, which is up on my blog, which is hardcorezen.info. So if you go up on hardcorezen.info, uh, I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you, right now, as of this recording, it's the most recent thing on there is my paraphrase. But if you search through it, if you're looking at that, if you're listening to this in the future and I've put new things up there, you should be able to search my uh, hardcorezen.info blog and find Komyo or In the Light pretty easily. Uh, it's also on my Patreon uh, page on the, the, I don't know, you just look on my Patreon page, you'll, you'll be able to find it, so you'll be able to follow along. should be easy. And since I talked about the opening poem in the first two segments, I'm going to skip the opening poem and start just talking about the rest of it. And I figure I'll just go through it line by line and tell you what I think it means, line by line, and we'll see how far we get. I'm going to give myself about an hour of talking time to talk about it, and then, you know... Maybe we'll get through the whole thing in an hour, and maybe we won't, and and uh, and we'll see, and we'll see where it goes. And and if this is interesting, drop me a line at bw at hardcorezen.info and tell me it's interesting. Or if you don't think it's interesting, drop me a line and tell me that was boring as as whatever you want to tell me it's boring as, and maybe I'll do a podcast about something else. So, let's get into this thing, shall we? 
All right. After the little poem, uh, the whole universe is a monk's eye, the whole universe is a monk's everyday talk, the whole universe is a monk's whole body, the whole universe is the light of the self, the whole universe exists within the light of the self, the whole universe, in the whole universe there is no one who is not the self, then Dogen tells us, you got to be sincere when studying the Buddha way. You can't be half-assed about it. But masters who put in the effort necessary to, to realize the light Chosa was talking about are rare. So putting in the effort is, I think he's referring here to Zazen, to actually doing the practice and making it work. And he's talking about a situation that was the situation then and is the situation now, which are people who are actually sincere about Buddhist practice, who don't just, you know, who walk the walk instead of just talking the talk. And we get the same situation these days now as uh, Dogen was talking about in those days then. There's a lot of people who talk about Zen and who, you know, uh, adopt the appearance of uh, being a Buddhist priest or, or whatever they are, or say they're into it and whatever, uh, but who don't actually do it, and including masters. Uh, so he's saying you got to be sincere and you, you don't want to be half-assed about it. He doesn't actually say half-assed. He says, uh, what does he say? There's a weird Chinese phrase. I think I talked about it, one of the early ones. It should not be a matter of more and more distant, further and further removed. That's what that's the phrase he actually uses, and I translated that as uh, half-assed. I think that's what he means. You know, just just be sincere about it and do it for realsies. So that's all he's saying there. So what does he say next? Next up, he says, "Oh, jeez." Sorry, I lost my place for a second there. Next up, he says, Buddhism arrived in China a long time ago as an object of scholarly study and popular practice. But it wasn't until Bodhidharma arrived that the light was really transmitted to China. No one can get it on their own just by studying it. They need to experience it for themselves. And as I think I said in an earlier episode, I, uh, I squeezed a bunch of uh, stuff that Dogen actually wrote into a much much shorter sentence there. You're welcome. Uh, what he does in that uh, area in the actual version, which you can go look up on shobogenzo.net if you want to look it up for yourself, or in the uh, Hubert Nierman version from Shasta Abbey if you want to find that version, as he gives you a little potted history of, of uh, Buddhism's, um, you know, in China and, and gives you some names and dates and stuff. And I figure probably you dear listeners are, are probably not all that interested in that and there's probably other places you can look it up if you want if you are interested uh, all you really need to know is he's saying Buddhism arrived a long time ago and um, and it wasn't until Bodhidharma so so that I'm just giving you the the gist of it but I think the main point that uh, is relevant for us is this idea that no one can get it on their own just by studying about it. They need to experience it for themselves. So the idea uh, that he wants to put across that I think is most relevant for us is uh, that, you, that you don't just get it by just l looking it up in books. And, and I think this is 
relevant uh, to us today because there's a lot of people out there, and, and I encounter these people not too often in person, although when I travel, I do occasionally encounter these people in person, but I encounter them a lot. I see them kind of out there online, you know, posting this and that on Twitter and whatnot, where there, there are people who obviously, there's Ziggy, you can probably hear him shaking his uh, furzels down there. Um, there are people who've obviously read a lot of Buddhism, but haven't studied with a teacher or any sort of a Buddhist group, and they they think they get it. Uh, the, you know, every so often somebody will send me some kind of pronouncement by by one of these people, you know, who's who's figured all the Buddhism out because they've read a whole, you know, they've read the, the, I don't know, they've read a stack of books about Buddhism, and they've worked it all out, and and they've uh, they've got it all all figured. And they're usually pretty arrogant about it, and and they they're very impressive with their knowledge of names and dates and they can rattle off a lot of stuff they're they're actually often a lot better than me at being able to you know just come up with the names and dates and places and and you know facts and figures and 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 whatnot you know and they can they can um run rings around somebody like me with with scholarly stuff but they haven't actually practiced and they haven't actually studied with a teacher and and that's the deal with buddhism is that it is really a face to face transmission that is that is handed from person to person and that is that's the way it comes down and that's what he's emphasizing here, that Bodhidharma was the person who had the understanding passed down from his teacher, you know, and, and his teacher before him and so on and so on through the lineage and then brought it to China and passed it down through that lineage. Now, the the same kind of people who will try to dazzle you with all their book learning and stuff will also tell you, well, you know, Bodhidharma is probably a fictional character in the lineage. Uh, if you study the lineage, there's all sorts of gaps and such like in it, and you can't be too sure about the lineage, and they'll, they'll tell you it's all nonsense. You know, and that may be true. It may be true that it that the the Bodhidharma uh, that we hear about might not be entirely historically accurate, and the lineage that we chant in Buddhist temples uh, might not be entirely historically accurate. You know, there's certainly some gaps. I've seen some studies where people have worked it out and, and have specified, you know, like you, you look at this guy here and that guy there, and you can say with pretty good assurance that this guy could never have met that guy because the, the dates don't match up and the times and places. And so I, I don't know all the details, but they're, they're probably not accurate. And that could be true. But the, 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 the thing is, those those lineage charts are approximations, and the actual information isn't all there. But if you ask me, and 
you know, who's asking me? Only people who are dumb enough to ask somebody like me. There is, there is an actual face-to-face -face lineage, whether we know what, what precise names should go in there or not. It really does exist. And we can trace an actual face-to-face -face lineage back a, a pretty impressively long time, like a thousand years, you know, with, with pretty good accuracy. We can go back about a thousand years, which is, which is, I think, impressive. Once you try to go back more than a thousand years, it gets murky, you know. But, you know, Dogen was 800 years ago, and then, you know, for a few hundred years even before Dogen, the, the lineage is fairly reliable, even, even there. So that's that's pretty good. And I think we can say with with confidence that there is a lineage that does go back, you know, all the way uh, to the Buddha. That's that's my belief. Um, and and what Dogen is saying here is that that face-to-face -face transmission is what's important. Having that face-to-face -face transmission and working yourself with the teacher and actually sincerely working on it. That's the important thing and not just merely reading about it and parroting what you've heard. Okay, moving right along, the next line says, people think the light is something separate from themselves. They avoid the light like maybe they're afraid of it. Yet even this feeling of alienation from the light is actually an aspect of the light. This is real alienation when we are not truly ourselves. Now that's kind of a fascinating line, and this is something that Dogen kind of says fairly often. And it turns out it's a bit of... Um, Tendai philosophy. I've been studying a little bit about Tendai philosophy. This idea that, hold on, I'm kind of switching back and forth between, I wish I had these printed out on paper. This is much easier than trying to do them on a computer screen. So I'm doing switching between files on a computer screen as I read this. This idea of, yet even this feeling of alienation from the light is actually an aspect of the light. That's kind of... Um, a, a, a Tendai way of, uh, of uh, looking at things. The Tendai Buddhist, Tendai Buddhism is the, is the very esoteric, very scholarly form of Buddhism that Dogen studied before he started studying Zen. And one of the kind of hallmarks of Tendai Buddhism is saying things like that. Like even your delusion is an aspect of enlightenment. So it, this was a kind of a great revelation for me personally. And it's a story, if you're familiar with my books and my videos and things, you've probably heard me tell this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. One of my great revelations in Zen came when I decided that instead of pursuing enlightenment, I was going to try to see what being deluded was all about because I, I got it into my head that I was never going to be enlightened or that enlightenment was just something too rarefied or too far away or too distant or too special or just, just something that, that was just something I was not gonna, gonna get, you know, wasn't, wasn't, 
possible for me to be enlightened. So I, I figured I'm not going to be enlightened. So since I'm not going to be enlightened, what I'm going to do is I'm going to study, I'm going to understand delusion thoroughly. And this was when I don't think I'd even read any of Dogen. I might have heard, I might have read Genjo Koan or, or something like that. But somehow I'd, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'd figured out one of the secret teachings of Dogen right at the, 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 you know, right at the beginning, you know, this Tendai idea that, that your, your delusion is enlightenment. And if your delusion is enlightenment, then studying your delusion is how to understand enlightenment. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm actually looking at the original uh, translation right now and, and trying to, to see what I, what I, uh, paraphrase. And it's, it's when I look at the, um, what when I look at the original and then I think about how I paraphrased it, it's it's really uh, uh, it, it, I changed it a lot because they hated to meet with the brightness. The brightness became more and more distant and further and further removed from the brightness. This alienation, although it is itself brightness, is restricted by alienation. And then Nishijima Roshi's. Uh, footnote here says alienation restricted by alienation means true alienation or undeniable alienation alienation here means not being ourselves so that's how i got to my uh, particular paraphrase uh, that i said um Yet this feeling of alienation from the light is actually an aspect of the light. This is real alienation when we are not truly ourselves. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking some liberties with what uh, Dogen said. But, you know, I, I, think, I, think I'm, I think I'm on the right track here. But I do want to keep cautioning you, dear listener or dear reader of this stuff, that what you're getting from me is not exactly what Dogen said. So if you want, you know, I, I would hate for people to go around uh, quoting Dogen, but actually quoting my version of uh, the you know these things that I paraphrased in my books uh, don't be a jerk, and it came from Beyond Zen and in some of the stuff that I've put out since then when I've done similar paraphrasings of Dogen, I would hate for people to to uh, quote lines from that and say yeah this is what Dogen said because it's really right. kind of Dogen through the lens of me and there's Ziggy uh, agreeing with me by barking. I don't know what he's barking at. I don't see anything out here that looks bark edible, but uh, I'm glad he's barking at something because he was just laying on the couch before before I uh, that's that's one of the reasons I decided to go outside and, and record this uh, today instead of sitting inside and doing it anyway uh, when we are not truly ourselves uh, that truly ourselves is um, we 
well, again, this is my paraphrase. So I'm, I'm, what I'm also trying to say, I'm not going to say that Dogen is trying to say this, but what I'm also trying to say, or what I'm also trying to make Dogen say, if you want to put it that way, is when we are not truly the self. So the self here is the big self. Dogen uses this word jiko, which is just a, a fairly common Japanese word that usually just means myself. Uh, or but when Dogen uses the word jiko, he's kind of he usually means the kind of great cosmic self, the self of the universe, you know, and uh, and it's a bigger meaning of self. So when we are not truly the self, so that this gets into a big topic. Somebody had written to me an email recently that I might try to talk about in one of my YouTube videos. And he, he was concerned with this idea of anatman or anatta, uh, depending on whether you're talking Pali. In Pali, uh, the oldest language that the Buddhist scriptures are written in is Pali, and it's anatta. And then in Sanskrit, it's anatman. And it's often translated as non-self or no self and people get really uh, hung up on this and one of the most basic things it means is there's there's a, a concept in a lot of Hinduism that your true self is this kind of is this kind of ghost spiritual entity that lives inside your material body that is eternally different from your material body. It's made of a different substance, which is spirit substance. And then when you die, the, your, well, your true substance is this non-material spirit substance that leaves your body when you die and uh, goes on and, and reincarnates in another body. And there's, a, there's, there's this eternal difference between spirit and matter and what our true self is spirit and not matter and so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's hardcore duality, dual dualism is it dualism or dual anyway, whatever, because they call it non-duality. But I think the actual philosophy is, is instead of being called the philosophy of duality, it's called dualism. I don't know. You know, phil philosophy words always confuse me, but it's very much similar to the the Christian concept of the soul, and that's one of the most basic meanings of anatman or anatta is that there that is the denial of that idea so so that's one idea of anatman and and that's the most basic idea of anatman but buddhism also has this idea in later buddhism of of self which kind of sounds like in later hinduism the idea of an, uh, of Atman got kind of changed. So Atman no longer meant that sort of spiritual little dude. I say little dude because if you really want to see this, the older sort of Hindu idea of Atman in action, just go to a Hare Krishna temple and ask them about it because they really believe in it in exactly the way I described it. And you can go ask them to show, them, show you one of their books, and they'll, they can show you pictures of how it works. Uh, and, and they'll give you free food, too, if you want. Um, but uh, they'll, they'll show you a picture of, of how this Atman sits basically somewhere near your heart in the center of your chest and, uh, and pops out 
of the center of your chest, just like the alien in that movie, Aliens, uh, at the moment of death. And if, you're, if you've been a good Hare Krishna devotee, it'll go up to Krishna Loka and hang out with Krishna forever and ever. But if you weren't so good, it'll get reincarnated and have to do the whole thing over again. And that's the idea that, that Buddha was denying. But this idea of this kind of self that's identical to what what you and I and everybody else call myself, what we think of as our our most basic meanness, uh, is actually the same me that is the universal me of of the universe, that the entire universe has a sense of me and the entire universe's sense of me is exactly the same as your sense of me. That's the thing that Dogen discovered. It's the thing that Nisargadatta Maharaj and Ramana Maharshi talk about from the Hindu orientation and they, they call it Atman. Um, or Paramatman often, I think, is uh, is Nisargadatta Maharaj's uh, preferred term. Uh, so, you know, it gets it gets all confusing. And Dogen calls that thing Jiko. And and I'm sure I, I remember talking to a a Sufi master when I was in in Germany. Um, he he was German and Iranian. I think one parent was German, one parent was Iranian. And he, I've met him a couple of times in Germany, and he's a Sufi master. And and I can't remember now, but he told me the uh, the I, the Farsi. I think it was Farsi. Uh, word for the same thing, but uh, I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But so there are a lot of mystical traditions in other religions that have this same idea. Uh, and, and I think it's because it's true. And one of the understandings that, that came to me as a person, as an individual during my practice of Zazen was an, an understanding of this. And I, and I think this is the same light that when the poem talks about the, the whole universe, the poem at the beginning of Komyo talks about the whole universe is a monk's eye and a monk's everyday talk and a monk's whole body. When it says the whole universe is a monk's whole body, the, that whole body is your whole body. You listening out there right now to this podcast, your whole body is the universe. My whole body is the universe. The universe's whole body. It's this, it's this interconnectedness. It's this web of interconnectedness that all of us are are connected up with. So our sense of individuality is a kind of uh, illusion. It's a kind of a useful illusion that that keeps things going and that we can you know use to to I don't know figure out whether me or my wife is going to take Ziggy for a walk uh, this evening, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So you have a, a sense of separateness that works. But it's it's sort of just uh, figuring out which piece of the universe is going to do this thing. But it's, it's in the end, there is only one self. So the, the self that is me and the self that is Ziggy and the self that is my wife, it's all the same self. And this, the, this same self is, is the same self for everybody. I think I really got, uh, into a, a diversion there, didn't I? Um, so I got off the, off the track there, but, um, let's see if we can get back on to what Dogen was saying.
Anyway, no one can get that on their own, and uh, yeah, when we're not truly ourselves. So we're not, we're not truly the self. Um, that is alienation. So when, when you are alienation, I guess in this sense, um, the alienation that Dogen is talking about. And I, I looked up the word, I can't remember off the top of my head what Japanese word he used, and probably nobody listening here would know the Japanese word anyway. But when I looked up the Japanese word, uh, I realized... Once again, Nishijima and Cross did a good job, and it, it just translates to alienation. So um, even though that sounds like a kind of modern and contemporary word, the word that they used uh, is given in most Japanese English dictionaries as alienation. So the alienation he's talking about is an alienation from our true self, but that alienation is is our our normal state, you know, what we think of as our normal state is a state of uh, deep alienation. I guess Ziggy's feeling alienation from whatever he's... I don't know if you can hear these birds. I think maybe he's barking at the birds right now. So uh, so maybe his barking is based on his feeling of alienation and not feeling oneness with those uh, with those birds over there. You know, it's still February now, but it's Southern California, so it's starting to warm up a little bit. I think maybe um, some birds are already starting to to hatch, hatch a little baby birds. Um, Ziggy, Ziggy, I'm trying to record a podcast. Can you, uh, can you hush? Ziggy, okay. I know you want to bark at the birds, but I'm going to record a podcast, okay? Okay, buddy? Okay. Zig. <laughs> okay. The birds are fine. Don't worry about the birds. <laughs> I thought I had Ziggy settled down. I stopped the recording for a second, but uh, for a minute now, nah, but he's still barking. Anyway, I'm just going to keep moving on, and I hope he doesn't uh, disturb us too much. Uh, the next line in the piece I gave you as stinkers who practice the Buddhist way half-acidly are prone to think the Buddha's light and the light of the self must be red, white, blue, or gold, like shimmering fires or glistening water, or maybe like sparkling pearls or jewels or flashy dragons or gods, or maybe like sunlight or moonlight. Even when they read sutras or listen to teachers, they imagine the light to be like the light of lightning bugs or something. That's not what learning in practice is about at all. Okay, now you might think that when I say stinkers who practice the Buddhist way half-assedly, I'm just like totally going, you know, look at me, I'm all punk rock, I made this up. Well, let's see what I'm just going to read to you, the uh, Nishijima and Cross translation. Here's what Dogen, uh, in quotes, really says. Here's a direct English translation. Stinking skin bags who are more and more distant and further and further removed hold the following views and opinions. And then he says pretty much what I said about the Buddha's light being, you know, this and that and the other things. So, yeah, I, I just uh, turned stinking skin bags into stinkers and that more and more distant, further, further removed, since I already gave that as half-assed in an earlier part of the uh, essay, I, uh, I kept calling it half-assed uh, here in this part uh, again. And... Um, 
And then I'll, I'll just go on to the next little bit. It says, those kinds of crazy ideas have been around a long, long time, even way back in ancient China. Don't trust so-called Zen masters who peddle those kinds of teachings. So basically uh, what he's saying here is, yeah, what I get from this is he's warning his students against the, the, the very same kind of people who are still out there today who you kind of see peddling their wares in the, you know, the New Age bookstores and that. You know, they're, they're the kind of spiritual teachers who, you know, some, I, I have some, some friends, Ziggy, Hush, hush, buddy. Um, I have some friends who, who are into this, and I every time they kind of start going off on this stuff, I usually just kind of smile and indulge them and, and try not to argue because I, I don't want to... You know, I don't want to get into arguments, but, the, the, you know, it's this kind of flashy spiritual teacher who, who kind of, you know, they, 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 they believe in a kind of beautiful, you know, I mean, this is this way he, the way he talks about it, the, the Buddha's light and the light of itself must be white or blue or gold, like shimmering fires or glistening water, sparkling pearls and jewels and flashy dragons. Actually, when I was working on my paraphrase, I, I was actually spent some time on this paragraph to try to come up with nice images uh, in English that I thought corresponded well to what Dogen said in Japanese and, and, um, you know, so spent some time trying to come up with, with nice words that would give it, you know, the proper flavor because, you know, I'm thinking of those kind of, I've done a lot of talks at new age bookstores and, and I'm always kind of fascinated because you look at the covers of the books and the iconography of those places. And there's always the, you know, the ascended masters with the golden auras and the purple, this and the red and crimson, that and the rays and the stuff, you know, theosophy is all into the, you know, these different rays and whatnot that that people are into and and the the robes and all that you know and they're, and they're they're people who who will describe the buddhas in in those ways and they'll say that that you know they'll try to get you attracted to these these kind of ideas of the of the the shiny sparkly masters i've even seen them depicted in in little tchotchkes and statues you can buy at those stores uh, especially like buddhas that are decorated with things that look kind of like christmas lights you know that light up and and flash i've often been tempted to buy those because they're kind of kooky looking and, and weird and i'm kind of into that kind of kooky and weird stuff but um you know, because I think it's sort of funny. I'm sorry for Ziggy barking, but if I tried to, you know, I'd, I'd be out here recording all day if I tried to get him to stop. Ziggy, can you please let me record the podcast? Anyway, um, so, you know, that that kind of thing. So he's he's warning against that. And and I, I think it's interesting that he warns against that because it it gives me the feeling that his students... You know, we often have these sort of dreamy little dreams about who Dogen's monks must have been, that they were the best and the they were the best and the brightest among 
the the students and and I think some of them were but I think the rank and file monks in in uh, Dogen's groups probably were mainly young kids and probably you know from the local farms and they were probably not necessarily the brightest uh, guys in the bunch uh, some of them were probably you know the kids who weren't quite good enough to work the farms and and things you know this is what i'm kind of guessing you know some of them were probably real smart but you know some of them probably weren't and he must have thought that they would be prone to run off and be uh, excited by these kind of pitches you know from people who would who would think that uh, that uh, much more flashy and shiny sort of uh, stuff was the true way and uh, and so you know and so are a lot of people these days you know they're they're going to they're going to be attracted to that kind of stuff and he's saying you know even if even if the people who are who are telling you that that kind of stuff is the is the is the bomb the bomb as the kids say today uh don't listen to them because they don't know what they're talking about okay so in the next paragraph uh after telling us what the light isn't he's going to tell us what the light is and this is the part where it gets a little more difficult and i'm hoping i can you know this is this is where when it comes to trying to make a commentary about it i start to feel a little bit slightly overwhelmed not completely overwhelmed not like i i feel like i can't say anything but a little bit like where i feel i feel like you know what dogan says is almost kind of like this is all you can say you know sometimes sometimes i feel like you it's it's best to just leave it at that but um, but let me just read it to you and then we'll we'll see where we can go from there all right so first up he says this light of the Buddhist ancestors is the entire universe. So that's kind of all already what the poem has said. And then he goes, it's the entirety of Buddhas and the entirety of ancestors. So just kind of expanding on the first line. It's like that line in the Lotus Sutra about Buddhas alone together with Buddhas. And that's a line that I went into in a lot of depth in my book, The Other Side of Nothing. And even though I spent, oh gosh, I don't know, like five chapters or some crazy amount on it in in the other side of nothing, I still feel like, oh, I'm not really sure I, I understand that yet. But there's a, there's this, there's this line in the Lotus Sutra that's very famous. Buddhas alone, together with Buddhas, are truly able to understand, um, you know, life, the universe, and everything. I, I forget exactly how the line goes, but it's like to to understand the the thing, the big thing. But the the key thing is Buddhas alone, together with Buddhas, or some people make it singular, only a Buddha and a Buddha, I think is what uh, Kazuaki Tanahashi and his co-translators prefer. Because, as I often say, there's no true plurals in Japanese. In Japanese, if somebody wants to argue Japanese grammar with me, they can. But... Uh, 
basically it's you can make a plural you can make a noun plural in japanese but it's difficult and awkward and most most of the time you just don't and so what usually happens in japanese is you you just you just say the noun and you have to infer from context whether it's singular or or plural and this makes for a lot of sentences where you just can't tell and in this in this particular one you just can't tell so you could say only a Buddha and a Buddha, or you could say Buddhas alone together with Buddhas. And either way would be a correct translation because there's no there's no way to tell whether it's supposed to be singular or plural. I heard it from Nishijima Roshi's translation in plural, Buddhas alone together with Buddhas, and that's the way I've always preferred to, to put it. So, but what does this mean? Buddhas alone together with Buddhas. Well, one way to understand it, it goes back to this, this thing that Dogen always emphasizes is that you need a teacher, that it needs to be handed down to you. And this is kind of a, a mystical thing, but it's, it's part of the pro the process. You, you have to have a teacher, you have to get it from somebody. And this may be, you know, part of the thing, you know, we are not, we are individuals, and yet we are not. We are we are one part of a bigger something. We are we are part of this entire universe. And because because our individual, the aspect of us as individuals, is just part of this great vast universe, I think that's why we need to get it from somebody. So we, we need to receive this teaching from another. We need to share it with somebody in order for it to work. So you can't get it as an individual. As an individual, you're, you're kind of cut off and and the individual just just can't get it alone so a buddha alone together with a buddha so it's 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 that it's that eternally impossible a contradiction so you have to get it for yourself you you can't on the one hand, nobody can give it to you. Nobody can just come along and tell you, here's the answer. It's, you know, 42, like in the, in the book Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They can't just give you the answer. You have to find the answer for yourself as an individual. Yet, you as an individual can't just come to the answer by yourself. You have to come to the answer with the assistance of another. So that's Buddhas alone together with Buddhas. That's, that's the thing. So that's what he's saying. It's like that line in the Lotus Sutra, Buddhas alone together with Buddhas. And then he goes, it's the Buddhas as light and light as Buddhas. Practicing and experiencing this light is how Buddhas become Buddhas. When we sit zazen, we experience as Buddhas. Now, I should say that in this line, in the original, he doesn't actually say zazen. So, you know, people might... I, I, I notice people tend to get a little um, fussy about that you know they'll say well he didn't really say zazen you know you're you're just inserting that in there so i'm going to tell you from the nishijima cross translation what it actually says and then like i always say the nishijima cross translation is probably as close as you're going to get to a like a really direct literal translation without any bells and whistles and interpretation on it so here's what it says Practicing and experiencing this brightness, they become Buddha, sit as Buddha, and experience as Buddha. So when he says sit as Buddha, 
I'm I'm saying that means sit zazen as Buddha. So I really don't think you can dispute that, especially given Dogen's deep commitment to the practice of zazen. When he says sit as Buddha, he means sit zazen as Buddha. So I just happened to, I just wanted to make that clearer in my paraphrase that, you know, just he, I I just don't want to, I I just want to avoid any chance that people are going to be confused. And so I said zazen, but you know, if you want to be a, you know, if you want to be a a pin about it or something. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. You know, he doesn't actually say something. Okay, and then the, the next line in the paragraph is, this is why the intro to the Lotus Sutra says, this light illuminates the 18,000 Buddha lands to the east. This is the light put into the form of words. And when he says this is the light put into the form of words, uh, the word he's actually using is Watto. So it could be, uh, Watto is sometimes a, a, a different way of saying koan. Uh, you know, this is a, there's probably a long explanation I could give you for that and, and tricky, but, uh, so this is, a, this is a koan. This is a, this is a, a, a turning phrase. So this is, he's saying this light illuminates 18,000 words. So he's saying that this line is actually the light put into words. Now, this is a, a good example of a place where I feel like, you know, all of us who try to interpret Dogen get into these spaces where it's sort of like, yeah, Dogen, yeah, I'm not sure what you mean. Now, I am probably the only one among the many Dogen interpreters out there who will own up to this. I, I, I'm just putting it out there. I've, I've read a lot of Dogen interpreters and I don't see anybody else doing this. I don't see anybody else going, you know, I'm not sure what Dogen means here, but I'm, I'm going to say it to you. They all get into this space because I can watch, I can watch them. When I read their stuff, I can go, yeah, I can see what you're doing here. You're just fudging. You don't know what Dogen means here. And I'm just going to tell you right out. I'm not sure what he means here. Uh, this light illuminates the 18,000 Buddha lands to the, to the east. As far as Dogen was concerned, that was, uh, that was a phrase that he felt was the light put into words. I'll give you I'll give you my ham-fisted interpretation of it. I feel that he, I'm I'm sitting out here on a picnic table that we bought me and my wife bought a picnic table to put out in our backyard and that's what I'm sitting on right now and I'm looking out on a sunny day uh, and it's February and you know this is Southern California and it's a warm day in February it'll probably get cold again uh, before it before it decides to settle into you know springtime warmth but we're getting a little bit of a, a warm spell right now. Um, so that's nice. And, you know, it's, uh, it's like that old Kinks song, you know, sunny afternoon. I guess it's about three in the afternoon. What time is it? Oh, one twenty-six. Huh. I thought it was later than that. Anyway, it is a sunny afternoon and the light that illuminates, you know, the light that I'm seeing, the light of the world is, 
the Buddha's light. I mean, that's one way to look at it. The, the fact that I am able to see, the fact that there is anything to see, the fact that there is a me to see at all, this is the Buddha's light. And the 18,000 Buddha lands of the East is the, is the world that I'm seeing in front of me. You know, it might not be east. I actually think I'm pointed north. If uh, since I'm seeing the mountains right there, I guess that means I'm I'm pointing north and not east. But you know, he gets into this whole discussion about what east means in in a little while in the in the uh, in the piece. But uh, we'll probably have to get that to that in another episode. But uh, that's what I feel it means. I, I feel like he's talking about when he says the light illuminates the 18,000 Buddha lands. 18,000 is just their way of saying a bazillion, you know, like the infinite number. You know, 18,000 to the ancient people was like, they, they didn't really get into, you know, these days we're kind of used to huge numbers of things. But in those days they didn't really deal in such big numbers of things. So a number like 18,000 sounded so big that it was just, you know, like saying an uncountable number. Uh, and that's that's what he's saying here. It's just like a huge, huge number. So it's like an infinite number of, of, of Buddha lands, like this huge Buddha land. So everything. So what I'm seeing now and, and what you're seeing now, the illumination by which we're seeing it, not just sunlight, but just the, the fact of opening my eyes and, and here it is, the, the isness of everything that is uh, the Buddha's light. Uh, that is the Buddha's illumination. Uh, the the light of the self. The light of 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 yeah. The light of selfness illuminates all of this. So there you go. I uh, I just looked at the the timer on my recorder, and I see that I've waffled on for about an hour, and that's that's how much time I gave myself. So I'm going to stop here, and uh, let's see if we uh, if if people want this to continue, I'll continue on for another episode. We'll see if we get much response. You can respond to me by b at bw at hardcorezen.info bw at hardcorezen.info that's my email address and uh, if I get enough responses to this I'll I'll carry on and if, if nobody responds to me I'll just figure nobody's listening and nobody cares and maybe I should either change topics or um, I don't know if uh, maybe people aren't listening to the podcast I don't know uh, it's hard to tell if uh, if this podcast is getting any uh, any listens at all but um, there you go. I'm enjoying doing it for what it's worth, and I hope you're enjoying it. Let me know, because uh, I got no way of knowing unless I get a little bit of feedback. So uh, there you go. And if you want to also feedback by donating to this podcast, as I said at the very top of the uh, show. Uh, I am supported by your donations, and if you want to donate to me, you can go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those, as I always say, I know I sound like a broken record, those are my main and usually only ways of making a living, unless I'm on tour or something, uh, which doesn't bring in much money either. Uh, so uh, that that's my support, and I really thank you for your support. But as always, I am offering these podcasts and the videos and everything else. Uh, well, not everything else. The books cost money. But the podcasts and videos are free, so uh, so you don't got to pay. 
pay if you don't want to pay. So we will see you next time. Have a good time all the time. Sorry for Ziggy barking through a lot of this. I hope you didn't mind that too much. We will see you next time. I think I said that already. Anyway, see you later. Bye.